You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. And this, this week's sermon is going to be kind of a, a bit of a continuation on with it. Because uh, we've we got to deal with the facts. We've got to face the facts. But then what do we got to do about it? And so the, the title of last week's sermon was The World is Going to Hell, which is, which is tough. But, but what do we need to do in response to that? And the title of this week's sermon is, Be a Disciple. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. So Matthew chapter 28, in verse uh, 18, this is Jesus' final instructions to his disciples. And he says, uh, in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be always to the very end of the age. So we see Jesus' final instructions, the last thing he wants is for everyone to become disciples. Yeah. The whole world, all nations to become disciples. Mm. And it's, it's key here, he says, go and make yes. disciples. Yeah. Well, make them. You don't find disciples. Mm. You don't steal disciples. You don't buy disciples. You've got to make disciples. Yes, and I think for all of us here that are disciples, we remember when we sat down. We remember when someone made us into a disciple. Yeah. They, they showed us the scriptures. We, we saw it for the first time. And we were made into a disciple. Right. But the thing is, it doesn't stop there. It's not like you're one and done. Right. Because you, you made into a disciple, then you get baptized, which is incredible. But what happens after that? And teach them to obey everything I now, how long do you think it's going to take you to learn everything that Jesus commanded? It's a, it's a lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but I don't really think I'm going to be able to figure all that out in, in my lifetime. I, I can spend the next 50 years. I can spend the next 100 years. I can spend the next 500 years studying out the Bible, and I would never be able to understand everything. And so the, we see a disciple, to be a disciple, and to be continually made into a disciple is a lifelong process. And it makes sense, because the word disciple means student. And it's not a case of you, you start off as a student and then you eventually grow into becoming this master. No, you have to stay in that, that student mindset. Yeah. And so we, we call this discipling. Yeah. And point number one, to be a disciple, you need to love discipling. Yeah. Not just get discipling, not just take it, but to love it and to really to go after it. If we go to Colossians chapter 3. So the Bible has quite a lot to say about discipling, but for the, for the sake of time, we're just going to look at one scripture. We're just going to we're just going to look at it, and break it down, and really see what this means for us. So in Colossians chapter three, in verse fifteen. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the first thing the Bible says, let the peace of Christ reign in your hearts. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, when it comes to discipling, there's not always a peace in our hearts. There's not always a peace in my hearts. And uh, the, for the first thing for us to really to love discipling, we need to have that peace that comes from God, that comes from Christ. Yeah. To, to where we're okay with it. We're okay to get discipling. Because he says it's, it's two things. It's, it's teaching and admonishing. So what is teaching? Teaching is where you learn something new for the first time. And an admonishment is a firm correction where you know you're supposed to do it, but you don't do it anyway. And it's like, look, you know you got to do this. you got to do this. You really need to. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't like it when that happens to me. It's not nice. But what does the Bible say we're supposed to do? It says after you get that teaching, after you get that admonishment, that you should um, have all wisdom, psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Amen. Do you guys leave your discipling times singing to God with gratitude in your hearts? God, I love you. Thank you for my discipler. I love you, Francis. Yeah, I love discipling. It's amazing. I know for myself, I don't always feel that way. I, I, and I feel like we can, uh, I know I definitely have had a time, times in my, in my life where I felt like discipling is, is bad, mm. right? I don't like it, and I don't want to take it. It's, it's uh, not nice, not enjoyable. Mm. But what is discipling in its essence? It's helping us to be a better disciple, helping us to be a better student of Jesus. Mm. Because discipling, it brings us more close, closer to God, more uh, living the life of how Jesus wants us to live. Now, um, for those of you that watched the, the fight last night, it was an incredible fight, was it not? Yeah. Yep. And I love boxing. Boxing is great. It's a great entertaining sport, and uh, it's just fantastic. And uh, boxing, when sometimes you come in and you just get, like, pounded, and uh, the guy gets knocked over. And maybe sometimes we feel like that's our discipling time, <laughs> where it's like you walk in and you just get like knocked out. And in boxing, it's good because if you if you get knocked out, you get like ten seconds to catch your breath. Yeah. And sometimes we maybe feel that way, like our discipler like knocks us out and they just gotta get count to ten, <laughs> waiting to knock us again. And sometimes, sometimes it maybe feels like that. And so I love boxing, but I also love UFC. Yes. And in UFC, it's, a, it's a similar to boxing, but it's a little bit different. Because in UFC, if you hit somebody and they fall to the ground, you can still keep hitting them. Like, you don't have to count to ten. Like, you're there, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there, I saw this one fight. There's this, this fighter, he was, he was more of a wrestler. And his name was Dominic Ramegoff. But he knocks out this guy, and the guy falls down face first on the ground. And he, he like he tries to like cover up and stuff. And then Omar Ramegoff, he like lays on top of him, like flattens him out on the ground. And then the guy, he, he's like trying to cover up, and he pulls his hands up. And then Omar Ramegoff, he takes his right hand, and he like scoops it in to the other guy on the bottom's left hand, and he like pulls it down. And then with his left hand, he goes boom, and like hits him. And he's like, oh, oh, they cover up again. And then he reaches it again. And you see it happening. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and he does that for 
like a full round. And you feel so bad for this guy. That's how my discipling feels like sometimes. Sometimes your discipling, he's not counting to ten, there's no referee, there's nothing, this leg on top of you, pounding you again and again and again and again. But that's not what it is. I know it feels like that sometimes, but that's not what discipleship is about. Discipleship is about how can we be more like Jesus. And we got to think, though, an admonishment, or the word rebuke, it means to call to your side. And I want to really change how we see discipling, is that when somebody disciples us on sin in our life, this is a good thing. It's like... So you got to imagine, you're standing in the street, about to get hit by a bus. The bus is called sin. And somebody, your friend, is like, sees it's going to happen, and they push you out of the way. And we, we get upset. It's like, oh, man, you pushed me really hard. Like, I, I, I scraped my elbow. I didn't like the way that you pushed me. Rather than saying, like, man, like, I was going to get hit by that bus. I was going to die, and you saved my life. Wow. Because that's what happens. When we have sin in our life, if we don't deal with it, if we don't get the discipling we need, it's going to kill us. Yeah. And so when we have the impurity, when we have the, the anger, the bitterness, the selfishness, the laziness, these are sins that are got to be dealt with. And when somebody comes into our life that loves us, sees the bus is coming, it's going to knock us out, and they say, oh, no, look, you've got to change this. You've got to grow in this area. You've got to repent of this sin. We need to be grateful. Yeah. We need to understand, like, man, this is a good thing. And for us to really grow, we need to love discipling. Yeah. Are you with me, guys? Yeah. Well, my challenge for us is very simple. Is that uh, we need to grow with our discipler, number one. But we need to go after discipling. We need to really invite it, to seek it. And my challenge for you is I want you to ask three people that are not your discipler how you can grow. Go to someone and be like, bro, Colby challenged me. Like, what, what do you think I need to do to be more like Jesus? Oh, sis, help me out. How can I be a better, more spiritual woman of God? What do I need to do? And then when they disciple you, be humble and really go after it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Are you with me, church? Yeah. Amen. So the disciples, we need to love discipling. We need to see it as a good thing and invite it and welcome it into our life. Mm. And so after we love discipling, point number two, disciples bear fruit. Yeah. So if we go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. This is another one of those scary scriptures. Um, it says, Jesus tells his uh, disciples and those with him, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Now, we, we look at um, trees, and they produce certain types of fruit. And it's pretty obvious what type of tree it is based upon the fruit. And Jesus used this analogy with us. And I remember reading this scripture many, many times uh, before really becoming a disciple and really understanding the meaning of this. And because uh, 
I, it's a scary scripture if you look at it some ways, and so we try and like mess around with it to make it not so scary. And so we're like, oh, what fruit? What's he talking about? Like, oh, Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. And it's not, it's not the, the fruits of the Spirit. Like, you can pick and choose. Like, it's a fruit salad. It's a mix. Like, no, no. One fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It goes on. And it was like, okay, so that's the fruit that we got to have in our life. That's what we need to be going after. And if we have that fruit, that's good then. But Jesus isn't talking about that type of fruits. Why? Because here he's talking about salvation. Uh, uh, Matthew 7, the context is talking about salvation, heaven and hell, the narrow gate, the wide gates, um, the true uh, false prophets, the, the true prophets. And so uh, it, it doesn't make sense because you don't have to be a Christian to have the fruit of the Spirit. There's a lot of really loving atheists out there. There's a lot of patient and gentle uh, Muslims out there. There's a lot of kind, compassionate uh, Buddhists. And all these different people, you don't have to be a Christian to have the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And so if he's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, what fruit is he talking about? What fruits do we have to be bearing? Good question. Mm. Let's go to John chapter 14. Just to give us a little bit of context to before we go into uh, the next scripture after that. John 14 and verse 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus says, hey, you believe in him, great, you're going to do the work that he's been doing. And uh, what work was Jesus doing? He was making disciples. He was preaching the word, he was doing miracles, he was making disciples. And that's the final instruction that Jesus gives his disciples. Hey, you see me making disciples? Now I'm going to go up to heaven, as he says. I'm going to go to the Father, and then you keep doing the work that I've been doing. You keep making disciples. Yeah. And we see this, in, it continues on in chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. What's that? That's discipling. So he says that Jesus is the source. I was chatting with someone else uh, uh, yesterday about uh, source and different things. Where, where do we get the source from? The source is very clearly from Jesus. That's where we get the, the power, the ability to do these types of things. And he says that, hey, when you're producing fruits, when you're making disciples, God is going to prune you. He's going to disciple you. Why? to make you more fruitful. And again, we, we have two options for discipling. We can either get discipled by people or we can get discipled by God. Some people think it's better to get discipled by God. They clearly have not been discipled by God yet. Because no matter how bad your discipler is, it's not gonna be more challenging than God. Because when God disciples us, he says he cuts off. Like, do you really want parts of your life cut off? Like, no, that's painful, that's not, that's not nice. I would much rather have a tough tea time with my discipler than have a tough tea time with God. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we understand we have to have discipling. We can't get away from it. That's right. And it is to, to purify us, to make us uh, more effective at making disciples. Yeah. It continues on in verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So again, this is a conditional statement. If, if you do this, then this will happen. Yeah. If you remain in Jesus, then you will produce fruit. Which is, it's nice, it's simple, it's easy. It's, it takes the pressure off of us. It's not like we have to do anything special. No, just be close to Jesus. Just be spiritual. Just be a disciple, and you're going to bear fruits. And he says in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So how does that make you guys feel? When we are making disciples, that brings God glory. Because God loves it. He's like, man, those guys are bringing me so much glory when they're doing those miracles, when they're changing those people's lives and teaching them the truth. Um, and people, uh, I've, I've studied the Bible with, with several people, and they, they, they really get their back up when we start talking about this. They, they really don't like it. Because they're like, oh, so you're saying, like, i got to make disciples before I'm saved? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's, 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 and it's, a, it's totally a upside down, messed up, inside out type of theology. Mm-hmm. It's not that, hey, you got to go out and work, make disciples, and then you get saved. No, no, no. It's Jesus died for you, saved you, and because you're saved, you're going to make disciples. And it says that this is what shows that you're a disciple. This is the evidence. This is the fruits that people can see. Obviously, hey, that pear tree is making pears. It's a pear tree. That apple tree is making apples. It's an apple tree. That thorn bush is making thorns. Stay away from it. Like, it's it's very obvious. And you can see this very clearly in uh, our lives and in the lives of other people. Right. Now, for myself, I really saw this crystal clear. I didn't want to see it, uh, but it, it, it just hit me, and it was, it was inescapable. Because my grandparents, as I shared last week, have been missionaries in Africa for over 50 years. And they're incredible, absolutely incredible. My, my grandfather, he's a genius off the charts. He's a Greek scholar, he's a Hebrew scholar, he's a, every scholar you can imagine. Um, he, he translated the entire Bible by himself. Uh, and then he, he's gone on to be a consultant. He's one of four consultants for all of West Africa for, wow. for Bible translation. And he's worked on countless New Testaments, Old Testaments, uh, translating the Bible. My grandmother, she's amazing. She's a one-woman army. She's done uh, hospital clinics. She's done teaching. She's done community initiative projects. She's done all of these different things uh, for incredible people, for the amazing people in Ghana. My parents, uh, they've been missionaries for 10 years in, in Indonesia. They, my dad, he had a very successful, lucrative job working as a pilot. He gave it all up, sold the house, sold the cars, gave up everything to go to Indonesia for uh, missionaries, help the people there. I myself, I was in church my entire life, uh, born in church, raised in church. I went to Sunday school. I said all the right answers. I did everything the right way. I went to Christian school as a missionary. I, um, then I myself, I went to Bible college. And I went and I studied at Bible College. And then I went and I was a missionary for two years. And I did all of these incredible things. But when I sat down and studied the Bible with someone about this, they asked me, like, where's the fruit in your life? You, you've given this very impressive resume of all of your, your, your heritage, of what your grandparents did, your parents did, what you've done. But where's the fruit? Like, who have you actually made into a Christian? And when I was faced with that question, (laughs) and when I really saw that, that the Matthew 7 isn't talking about like good deeds, like be a good person. When I saw that John 15, it's not talking about like, oh yeah, be a good person. No, it's talking about making fruit, doing the work that Jesus did. And I could see that I wasn't doing that. 
And so I studied the Bible. I really saw that, man, I've, I've never been actually made into a disciple. And I, I studied the Bible. I got baptized. And that was about two years ago now. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, the, the incredible thing what happened, though, is that uh, after all of this time, all of this Bible studies, because I, I led Bible studies. I led a Bible institute. I taught people theology. I taught them how to preach, how to do all of these things. And uh, it was right after I got baptized, I went and I got a haircut, and I shared my faith with, with the guy's name was Joe. Hey, do you want to study the Bible? And he's like, yes. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm still a little bit, a little bit rocky in the faith and stuff. But uh, he's like, yeah, I really want to study the Bible. So I came and studied the Bible. We studied for about a week. And then he ran. And I was like, oh, okay, amen. But then a month later, he came back. And he studied the Bible again for another week, and then Joe got baptized. Yeah. And so, for the first 24 years of my life, I thought I was living as a Christian. I thought I was having an impact. I thought I was doing what the Bible did. But there was clearly no fruit in my life to evidence that I was right with God, that I was really living the life of a disciple. And then immediately, after I get baptized, immediately that week, I share with somebody. And then he gets, he gets baptized six weeks later. And I was like, man, this is the truth. This is where I, I see it. I get it now. Yeah. And uh, this is this is what we need to, to be to be realizing as well that um, we need to be going after the evidence in our in our lives. Now, for for those of you that have that have been studying the Bible actively with people, maybe even baptized somebody recently, that's incredible. You're awesome. I love you. That's that's great. And for those of you that haven't, you're still awesome. I still love you. And it's it's not a, it's not like. Uh, you're, you're less of anything, or you're, you're less loved, or you're, you're anything like that. But we got to be about our purpose. Yeah. Is that disciples' purpose is to make disciples, to bear yeah. fruit. Yeah. And if we're not being about our purpose, we're not going to be very happy. Yeah. We're not going to be content. We're not going to be doing the works that Jesus wants us to be doing. And so last week I, I, I gave a heavy lesson about hell. Hell's a, hell's a real place. People are really going there. There's an urgency we have to be going after. And I challenged you guys, I said, find one person, and I want you to pray for them. Pray that they don't go to hell, and then do something about it. Invite them out to uh, service, invite them out to midweek, to, to Bible talk, invite them to study the Bible. I want to ask you guys, how's that going? How's your one person? If you haven't had that one person, I really want to challenge you. This is, a, this is an admonishment. You, I taught you last week, and if you haven't done it, you, this is time to repent. So I challenge is get that one person. One person that you can have a personal impact in, you can really impact their life to, to save them, to, to bring them to God. And to, to, to make that person a disciple. Are you with me, guys? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So we, we've talked about disciples love discipling. They get discipled. And when we really love discipling and love being like Jesus, we're, we're close to Jesus, it's going to make us fruitful. It's going to allow us to baptize more disciples, which is incredible. But my, my third and final point is I want to talk about is disciples put their treasure in heaven. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. verse 19. The Bible says, Do not store for yourselves treasures, in treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So uh, Jesus talks a lot about money. Why? Because money is attached to the heart. Where your money is, your heart will be also. And this isn't just a spiritual principle. This is just a world principle. Yeah. Like you see it in the world. Where, where do people invest their money? That's what they care about. That's where their priorities lie. And I really have to lift up the East region. Because as, as Claudia shared, for the last uh, three of the last four weeks, everyone has given their contribution. It's just been impressive. And it makes me so proud of all of you guys. Yeah. When I wake up on Sunday morning, or Monday morning, and uh, I, I, um, I check my emails to see how did, how do we do, and I saw zero people miss. Wow, that's incredible. Because what does that say? That shows me where your priorities are. That shows me that all of you guys want to invest in the kingdom, which is great. And not just have we been doing that, but we've also been growing in benevolence as well. I know that the men's midweek, we continue to give more and more benevolence to really help out the, the needy, the poor amongst us, which is great. We've shown that our, our treasure is in heaven. It's in eternity. That's where we want to invest our, our money. And so, but, but we don't just have weekly contribution, and we don't just have benevolence. So weekly contribution meets the needs of the church here in London. Mm -hmm. And so we just gotta pay for my salary, Rebecca's salary, it pays for the venues, it pays for uh, travel when we have conferences. So that's here in London. Benevolence meets the needs of the poor and the needy, when there are people in the church that are struggling, they just need help, they need, maybe need money for food, or they need money for travel or something. But then we have missions that comes up every year. And missions is to go out and to plant more and more churches. And the Bible, it talks quite a lot about missions. And so let's go to Corinthians, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just before what uh, Claudia shared for contribution. chapter 8 in verse 1. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, with an overflowing of joy and their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to all the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had early made in the beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about uh, two types, two churches. So he, he references the Macedonian churches. And he's, he's, he's talking about them in their example to the Corinthian church. So Macedonia was in northern Greece. Corinthian, or Corinth was in uh, southern Greece. And he's talking about this special collection of money. And uh, how the Macedonian churches, they wanted to give earnestly. Because they knew that Paul needed the money, he needed the resources to be able to go out and continue to preach the word. Paul planted the church in Macedonia, he planted the church in uh, Corinth. And they know, they knew that he was going to be continuing to plant more churches. 
But to do that, he needs money. Because as Daniel said, like, you just need money for life. Everything costs money. You gotta be able to have money to do stuff. Yeah. And so Paul, he's asking them for a special, on top of everything that they were already giving, to, to give extra for the sake of the gospel. And that's what we do here. Uh, every year, we have a special missions collection that comes. And the way that it works is that the leaders, they sit down and they look at, hey, what do we want to do evangelistically this year? What churches do we want to plant? What, what type of things do we want to do? And they put all of it together in a spreadsheet and they see how much it costs. Okay, we got a number. Then they look at how much the church makes every week. And they take this number and they divide it by this number and then you have a multiple. This year, the multiple is 20. So we need 20 times what we normally produce to be able to accomplish all of the goals that we want to do this year. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is, it's, it's not some, some arbitrary number where we just come up, oh yeah, we just need uh, this amount of money. No, no, it's, it's, there's a lot of thought and reasoning that went into it. And it's exactly the same with Paul. As you continue to study out the chapter, you see that there was uh, records being kept, there was uh, intentionality, there was planning and everything that went behind this. And so, but I want to talk about the, the heart of uh, the, these churches, heart of the, the Macedonian church, because it says that they had a severe trial. Wow. Now, I know some of us think that we have trials, but none of us have severe trials. And he talks about their extreme poverty. Some of us might think we are in poverty. We don't have poverty. We, we don't. We live in London. It's the greatest city in the whole wide world. All of us are incredibly blessed. We have everything that we need. Yep. And so we're not, we're not poor. We don't have poverty. We definitely don't have extreme poverty. Yeah. And, but these people did. They did. They had ex ex trials, severe trials, persecution. They had poverty. But even among that, even when that was happening, they still wanted to give. They pleaded for the privilege to be able to give. Because they saw it as their, their role in the body. They're like, hey, we can't go to the place you want to go, Paul. But we can help you. We can give to it. And this is where we see that the body of Christ has many members in different parts, and the yeah. different parts serve different functions. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in LA, they have this saying. They say, you can go and grow, or you can stay and pay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so not everyone is going to go on mission teams. That's okay. You're not any less of a Christian because you don't go on a mission team. But those that don't go on mission teams... There's an obligation. We still have a part to play. We have a role to play in the evangelization of the world. Mm -hmm. And what is that? It's through finances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they, um, the, the, the church, they saw it as a privilege. And they, they wanted to do it. And this is how we need to see it. It's like, man, we get the opportunity to give, to advance the gospel? This is incredible. Yeah. And that's how we need to see it. Not as a burden, not something that we have to do, but something that we want to do. It, it talks about uh, the church excelling in all these different areas. And I really have to lift up the East region. It's, it's, uh, since the beginning of the year, we've grown so much. And when I look at you guys, you excel in so many areas. You, you excel in your giving. Excel in, in contribution in benevolence. Excel in, in singing. The singing has, has grown so much. It's a really amazing job. Yep. We excel in, in the on, unity. That we have yep. in, in the love that we have for one another. It's amazing. I can't wait for the barbecue tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these different areas that we're excelling in. And as Paul says, uh, and I say the same thing as well, just as we're excelling in all these other areas, let's excel in giving. Yeah. Giving to advance the gospel. Come on, Come on. Um, 
I remember being in, in Los Angeles uh, for the GLC last year, the Global Leadership Conference. And uh, last year in, in LA, they really went after it. The, the church there was just amazing. They, they sent out mission team after mission team. Uh, I think it was like 100 people or something like that. They sent out uh, in the space of a year. And they, they raised missions. They raised, it was 30 times for the year. They had 23 times in May and then seven times in, uh, in the fall. And with that money, they planted the church in Lagos, which is incredible. And we, we see the miracles happening in Lagos. Yes. They planted the church in Dubai, which is amazing. They had 11 baptisms in the last 12 weeks. But not only that, I remember the, the, the missions went to a lot of different things. And I remember at GLC that Joe Willis, who leads the city church, I remember him standing up there, and he had three people with him. Yeah. He had Dean, the machine. Yeah. He had Demas, and he had Chi. Yeah. The evangelist, the man who's going to evangelize all of China. Yeah. Who are these? These are the leaders of the Hong Kong mission team. The people, these are the, the pillars. The Chi, he's the evangelist, he's gonna be leading the team. But Dean, he's the machine, he's just amazing. He, he's good at like everything that he does. And Dean, she's just a rock star. You see her, she's so fired up, so zealous, so faithful, she's incredible. These, these guys, these are talented people that God has blessed, that God's prepared for a great, great mission. And what, what uh, Jody, he said, he says, hey, I want to thank the LA church so much for their sacrifice. Because because of your sacrifice, we've been able to do incredible things in Sydney. Because of the, the, the money that you sent us, we've been able to baptize these types of people. Yeah. This is the investment that you've been doing. And he, he really showed what, what happens. When you invest your, your treasure in the kingdom, this is the type of return you get on the investment. And I don't know about you guys, but that's a good return. Yeah. I'm fired up. I can't wait to go to Manila and to see this team, mm -hmm. to, to see yeah. Chi, uh, to see him standing up there, to leading uh, this team that's going to save his people. Yeah. They're going to evangelize all of China. Mm -hmm. It's going to be incredible. And it's because of one church's incredible sacrifice. Yeah. And so I want us to have that heart. Because uh, in the same way that uh, LA was able to help Sydney mm -hmm. to, to baptize these incredible leaders, uh, that's what's happening here. Mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to be sending out uh, mission teams to, to Paris. Yeah. And the, the homeless are going to go there. They're going to be doing an amazing job in the Paris church. Yeah. We have the mission team that needs to go to Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be incredible. Amsterdam is yeah. toleration nation. Anything goes there. Yeah. It's just a wicked, wicked dark place. They need the gospel. Yeah. And we're going to go there with the gospel. Right. Yeah. 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 And so um, I want to challenge us when it comes to missions, uh, two things. First of all, we see that the, the disciples, they didn't just give what they were able to do, or give what they were expected to do. They gave beyond that. And I want you guys to develop a conviction that as disciples, we don't do the bare minimum. So whatever your weekly pledge is, you have 20 times that weekly pledge. Now, we all know we're going to give our weekly pledge, right? Yeah. But we don't want to just give the bare minimum. We want to give what we can give. So if your pledge is 700, 700 pounds, and you can give 1,000 pounds, give 1,000 pounds. If God's blessed you with that, give what you can give. Yeah. And don't hide your face either. <laughs> if, you, if you can only give 900 pounds, give 900 pounds. If you can give 750 pounds, give 750 pounds. If 700 pounds is a hardship for you, and you really struggle, it's like, man, like, 
I'm going to struggle so much to hit this mission, but I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. They give 701 pounds. <laughs> Seriously. Because it's like, look, I'm going to give everything that I can. I know i got to give 700, but I don't believe in giving the minimum. My heart is I want to go beyond the minimum. And I, I, it's, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. So I, I want all of us to really see that what can we give um, and to, to give beyond what's just the, the minimum. The second thing is I want us to give early. Mm. Missions is at the end of next month. But don't give at the end of next month. Give now. Yeah. This is the end of this month. And so what does that mean? It's payday. I got paid. I know you guys got paid. Mm. So it's like, oh yeah, can you give to missions? No, oh, bro, like, I'm struggling. I don't have any money. It's like, that worked last week. That doesn't work this week. I know all of you guys have got money. And so I, I, it's a question of what are you going to do with your money? Is it, are, are you going to invest now, give God the first fruits of your of your labor, or are you going to give him the excess at the end? Oh yeah, this is what I've got left over, this is what I'll give to you, God. So I want to challenge you this week, talk to, um, if you don't have the details for the church to give the, the bank transfer, um, get the details, and give something. All of you guys have got money, all of you guys can give something, give what you can. Uh, I, I think it's amazing, uh, Richard, he's already, he gave a third of his missions way before, really leading from the front, and he told me he's going to give a, another third of his missions, which is incredible. So already he's got two thirds of his missions in. And our, our sister could say, she's amazing, she's already given all of her missions. And I know there are many other examples of people that really believe in this, it's like, look, I want to give early, I want to give with all of my heart. And so I want to challenge us uh, that, number one, we don't give the bare minimum. We give what we can give, and if God's blessed us, then God's blessed us. And if it's a struggle, we still make it happen. Mm -hmm. And not to give at the end with the excess, <laughs> but to give at the beginning. Give what you can give um, to, to really get out in front of it. Amen? Amen. So we, last week the, the, the sermon was heavy. It was, it was a tough truth and all of that. This week it's, it's a little bit more, more simple, a little bit more practical, like what do we actually do? And uh, for, for some of you it may be totally fresh, if that's, that's the case, fantastic. For some of you it's like, oh, I've heard this a million times. Even if you've heard it a million times, it's good, you're heard a million and one. <laughs> and so um, we, we need to be disciples that love discipling. We're not a case of we, we start off students and then we grow into the masters. No, we stay as the students. We stay in a position of humility, of constantly learning how to be more and more like Jesus. When we have that heart of like, hey, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be spiritual. I want to be closer to God. That's going to produce in us uh, fruitfulness. Where we're going out, we're making disciples. We're being about our purpose, which is incredible. And we want to do that here in London, but we want to do that all over the world. And that's why we give missions. And so I want to challenge us to really take this, take this lesson to heart and to be going after it. Amen, church? Amen. Love you to God be on the go. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one